13, we saw the idea of a prophet or dreamer that actually works a sign or wonder that happens, and yet he says to go after other gods, that that certainly is a sign that he is to be rejected, even executed, and uh, the, the uh, evil purged from among you. Uh, so, chapter 13, verses 6 through 11. son or daughter, you've got a wife, you've got a best friend who secretly says to you, let's go and serve other gods. What should you do? You know, you think about how hard it is to take a firm stand when it comes to somebody so close to you like that. You know, I mean, you really have to love God more than you love the closest people in your life to do what he says. He says, don't yield to him, so don't listen. Don't pity him, don't spare him, don't conceal him. So he's saying that you can't try to in some way shield him. Uh, you You can't show him any favor. You've got to be hard in your in your emotions. Because you shall stone him to death. You shall surely kill him. Your hand has to be the first one against him. Can you imagine if it was a son or a daughter? You have to be the one that first picks up the stones and throws to kill your boy or your girl, your wife, your husband, your best friend, your closest friend. Because they secretly said, let's go and worship idols. You know, it's just so hard to imagine that you could do that. You know, human emotion, you know, would would really struggle with the idea of being that strong in opposing idolatry. But we have to love God more than we love our own family. I think this, this is such an important teaching because, you know... Sometimes we really do let human relationships interfere with our closeness to God. There are a lot of times when I see parents going downhill spiritually because their kids are. And they want to justify their kids. They don't want to, they don't want to even live a life that would make it look like their kids were wrong. They'll abandon the Lord rather than say, my kid is not doing right and I'm going to take a stand against him. 
Or you see friendships. You know, you develop this really close relationship with somebody. And it just turns people away from God. You, you sacrifice your relationship with the Lord because of your relationship with this other person. I think those are really easy things to, 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 to have happen. You take a church where someone needs to be withdrawn from. But it's my son. It's my daughter. No. And we don't even want brethren to talk to them. To rebuke them. You know, don't let anybody mess with my kid. You know, I don't want anybody telling them they're wrong. The whole mentality here is a mentality of such a supreme loyalty and commitment to God that it it transcends my closeness to my closest relatives. I, I think we sometimes develop almost a humanistic view of Christianity. You know, there are certain values in Christianity that we really like and we support, but there's other things we don't. We really like this family values thing. You know, we like the idea of we build a close family. And, and before you know it, we've got the idea that our loyalty to our family is more important than our loyalty to the Lord. I think parents teach that to their children. You know, we teach our kids in one way or another a lot of times, you, you be loyal to me as your father more than you're loyal to the Lord. We've got to teach us the opposite. You serve God. Whatever I say, whatever I do, your commitment is to the Lord above all things. You know, we need to do what God tells us to do in our families. But we can't make an idol out of our home. We serve God above all other things. And and this passage says now, now what he says is, when you do that, when you stone him to death because he sought to seduce you from God, then all Israel will hear and be afraid and will never again do such a wicked thing among you. No, that's that's what ha- that's what should happen. You know, is is that this stoning of the close friend or relative that seduced you to idolatry would have a deterrent effect on the crime? You know. Sociologists argue a lot about whether or not punishing criminals has a deterrent effect. Well, God's just done. Uh, you know, you punish people. You, you think about it in a church. When churches are, are strong enough to rebuke sinners in the church and to ultimately discipline them when that's needed, those churches end up being stronger. They may be fewer, but they're stronger. You know, what happens in a church like that sometimes is, well, suddenly people decide, well, if it's going to be like this, I don't want to have any part of this. And they, they, they back away. But those who stay and are willing to commit themselves to the Lord are so much stronger than trying to mix the sin in the love and not affect the whole mass. You know, God says it doesn't work that way. So he wanted the evil purged out. So this man who's saying, let's commit idolatry, let's go after other gods, had to be stoned. And the first ones to stone him were his closest relatives and friends. Comments and questions? Yes? Uh, um, I have a question. So, sacrifice animals in order for the sins to be forgiven. So why would they stone someone if they sacrifice the animal for 
Well, they're stoning the person because he's saying to worship idols. Oh, he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that, the idea is they're, they're trying to entice the person to, to commit idolatry and, and to betray the Lord. Seth? Do we have any examples of people actually following these commands and scriptures that you can recall? No, although it reminds me of Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah 12 and 13 is just an amazing picture of conversion to Christ in the Old Testament. But uh, in, in Zechariah uh, 13.3, if anyone still prophesies, this means false prophecy, then his father and mother who gave birth to him will say to him, you shall not live for you have spoken falsely in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who gave birth to him will pierce him through when he prophesies. So he's saying that in Christ, the standard of dedication and loyalty will be so strong that even the parents will pierce through the false prophets. Uh, but I don't know that, I, I can't right off hand think of an example in the Bible. Is that somebody know of one? There's one that's pretty close to Leviticus 24. Um, I don't know if that's counseling. Yeah, I mean, what do you, Leviticus? That's where, talk about the son of an Israelite woman, um, whose son blasphemed the name of the Lord. So they bought him to Moses, that they might put him into custody, that the mind of the Lord might be shown to him. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take outside the camp him who is cursed, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. I don't know if that... Yeah, and I was also thinking about, like, uh, what about Numbers 25, uh, where they were, uh, um, you know, killing the, the couple that had uh, committed fornication, and then... Uh, also in Exodus 32, when the Levites uh, killed uh, the ones who were unfaithful to the Lord, there's some things that are somewhat similar, but I don't know if there's anything exactly like that. Yes? Is this the law that was being enacted in the New Testament when Stephen and some of the other apostles were stoned? Yeah, I think the idea was they were blaspheming, so not necessarily saying worship other gods, but there were other... A sense that you were punished by stoning, including blasphemy. How do we reconcile this with Eli and his sons? Yeah, Eli just, you know, unwilling to do anything more than slap them on the wrist. He could have at least depriested them as the high priest. And and First Samuel two says that he was actually getting fat off of the sacrifices they were stealing. So he not only didn't really oppose them, but he actually you know, was willing to share in what they robbed. <coughs> Alex? Uh, in the, for the commandment of two or three witnesses, it, it talks about the wife secretly enticing you. How would, do you think this would come first above that, or would you still have to have the two or three witnesses? Um, I don't know about that. Never thought about it. Other questions, thoughts? Yes. Verse 8 is important as well because if it was me, I would have, uh, it would be very tempting if it's someone that close to you who wants to ignore it or say, you know, make up excuses for them. You know, maybe they made this mistake once, but they won't do it again and I can forgive them. And you don't want to be the one to throw the first stone either. So it would be very tempting to, to pretend like it didn't happen and, 
you know, say, I know you won't do it again, and I won't say anything if you don't say anything, and let's just let this blow over. And try to cover it up actively. I mean, sometimes I see parents trying to make sure brethren don't find out that their children need to be disciplined or rebuked or whatever. Right. Make very specific. Don't pity them. Don't hide it. Don't cover it up at all. You don't expose it and take care of it. Yes. Amen. Yes. Um, I was reading an article by Bertrand Russell, and one of his big complaints about Christianity that he said was that um, in passages like this, and when Jesus says, like, whoever hates his father and mother, he doesn't, um, his big complaint is that Christianity destroys families. But we have to remember that God made the family for a reason. And when you follow him, that's a great thing. But this is when something goes wrong because of our sins. Well, and you know... Sometimes people have a presupposition that loyalty to God doesn't really mean anything. Now what if we change the facts in this and say you find out that a family member has been abusing children? Would you say it's okay to cover that up? It's okay to try to protect them? Wouldn't we say in that case that the only right thing to do, even though it would be hard, would be to, you know, publicly uh, accuse them, perhaps turn them over to the authorities or whatever, that, that we would see that as a virtue. Yes, that might break up the family, but it would keep them from continuing to commit crimes against other innocent victims. So in a case like that, we would say yes, there is something more important than the family, and that is that innocent people are not hurt. We don't feel that same way about the honor God deserves. We would see family values as trumping the idea, well, he just said to serve other gods, that's not such a big deal. That's not like hurting somebody. So it shows that we love people more than we love God. We don't have that intense loyalty and love for God where we see that as the most outrageous sin that could be done. I think that's our problem. It's really not that we think that we always ought to let family trump righteousness and justice and protection of the innocent. Is that we don't see idolatry as being a big deal. So I think, I think you know, sometimes the atheists make some arguments that are not really consistent even with what they would believe in other situations. Tim? Um, how do we reconcile this with John A. Jesus saying about the adulterous woman, whoever has a, who's without sin through the first stone. I mean, this obviously is not idolatry, but I think adultery is something that was condemned by death as well. So, well, hey, I don't think it's textual, Johnny, but that's a, so I, I don't know necessarily feel the need to explain it. But but you know, if if it is you know an accurate story, I would say that they were not really concerned about the truth or the sin. They said they caught him in the very act. They didn't bring the man. Caught him in the very act, bring both of them, if you're really that concerned about what's right. So I think Jesus is more seeing that they were hypocrites than making a statement about, you know, whether they should be executed or not. That, that'd, be, that'd be what I'd say. Yes? For um, laws like this, would you say There's really no difference. It's all from God through Moses. Oh, I was going to answer Tim's question. May, I think that 
maybe got me her heart and she probably he probably knew that she had his pencils. So that's why he told that, you know, he has his people to kill her song. He certainly told her to it. Yeah. Other thoughts? Yes. Um God has a routine of giving the biggest punishment to the fifth person when you throw that person, like that person. Um, is it the same thing with the um, with this one? Well, certainly the idea is you kind of make an example out of a person so that other people won't do it. So you've got that idea. Okay. How about uh, twelve to eighteen? If you hear in one of your cities which the Lord your God is giving you to live in, anyone saying that some worthless men have gone out from among you and have seduced the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods whom you have not known, then you shall investigate and search out and inquire thoroughly. If it is true and the matter established that the abomination has been done among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of the city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it and all that is in it, and its cattle, with the edge of the sword. Then you shall gather all its booty into the middle of its open square, and burn the city and all its booty with the fire, as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. And it shall be a ruin forever. It shall never be rebuilt. Nothing from, from that which is put under the band shall cling to your hand, in order that the Lord may turn from his from his burning anger and show mercy to you and have compassion on you and make you increase just as he has sworn to your fathers if you will listen to the voice of the Lord your God keeping all his commandments which I am commanding you today and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God okay so if you hear that in one of your cities there are some worthless men promoting idolatry you just catch a whiff of you just hear about it. Take immediate action. It needs to be nipped in the bud. Now, not rash action, because they were first to investigate and search it out and inquire thoroughly. They weren't supposed to rush to judgment. They were supposed to rush to investigate. You don't let that report go unresponded to, but you do establish whether or not the rumors are true justice is done, not simply some precipitous action. If you find out it is true, then you are to destroy the whole city with the edge of the sword and burn the booty in it. You don't take anything from it for yourself. If they commit the crimes, like the Canaanite cities, then they were to suffer the fate of the Canaanite cities. God is an equal opportunity punisher. Whether you're Canaanite or Israelite, if you promote idolatry, you're to be destroyed. Um, these are hard passages for us. Um, because it doesn't seem that bad. Well, you know, they're just, you know, worshiping other gods. They're just promoting idolatry. What's so bad about that? Now, what if it was a city that was harboring and protecting people who kill innocent victims. You know, or abuse innocent people, or whatever. 
then we can see why you'd say that. I think what you see is that we have to have a lot greater sensitivity to the dishonor of the Lord. When, when idolatry and false religion is being promoted, that's abominable. That's something that we hate because we love God so much. I think what we see is we just don't look at those things the same way the Lord does. We don't have that burning loyalty for God and love for God and zeal for God that we ought to have. Comments and thoughts. Yeah. I was going to say this kind of keeps along with the theme of keeping the land clean. So the Canaanites had polluted it. People came. The people of God, the polluted people of God, were cut off. So the clean people of God could come in. And if the clean people of God followed the same pollution as the Canaanites, cut it off. So. Yes. Amen. Yes. Right. I have a question. Um, when these like people are getting stoned, is there any pos- Is it possible for them to like get right with God? Or they're like they're killed, like or they just perhaps I don't know. Yes, Joe. Um, I'm not like lately. I've heard the idea thrown around, and this is this is by no means new. Um, people say to me like, "Oh, well, you know that the human species isn't monogamous, right?" Like, and that to me is the most aggravating statement. Like, not only are we like we're we're meant for one partner, but like. I think in our relationship to God, like, that's such a dangerous idea to say that we're not meant to solely serve God. Like, we were made for, like, to glorify Him. And, like, it's it's just such a pointless idea. It's a little arrogant for us to tell God what we were made for. (laughs) Yes? Um, I guess I think about this with church discipline. It seems like a second check. It seems like if the rumors are happening, the people who know about it, should have dealt with it with that first command. And if it's happening again, well, now all these people are devoted to destruction. You should have dealt with it at first. Amen. I agree. Seth? Investigation seems like a whole lot of work. And this is a different city. It seems like it'd be easier to just be lazy and let other people deal with their own problems, mind your own business, and stay out of other people's way. Uh, But that's not what God commands these people to do. Uh, do the hard thing, do the thing that takes work, um, and serve serve the Lord no matter what it costs. Very good. Amen. So, we've looked at the idolatry idea of uh, the idolatrous prophet, the idolatrous relative, the idolatrous city. Chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, then, to finalize that. 